Hello and welcome to episode three of The Book Group. Every day, in clubs, pubs, front rooms and libraries up and down the country, hundreds of people are meeting to discuss books. The Book Group is one of the biggest cultural phenomena of our time, but all of this usually goes on in private. So, every fortnight, I'm going to gatecrash a different reading group. My name is William Shaw, and on this Tuesday night, I've travelled up to London. Surprisingly, my train is on time. I have a few minutes to spare, so I wander over to WH Smith's at Victoria Station to see what books they're displaying there. While I'm walking round the shop, I notice something. Next to the crime section, there's a new one, in this shop anyway. And it's just as big as the crime section, but it's labelled something I haven't seen before. Fantasy, dystopian and sci-fi. And there's books by Naomi Alderman and, and Philip K. Dick. It's not so much the books, it's the category dystopian. It's a bit strange, I suppose, to see it being used by a high street chain. Interesting that somebody like Smiths see dystopian as something they can market with anyway. The reason I noticed this is probably because I'm about to drop in on a book group that has the best name I have ever come across. Post-apocalyptic book club. The clue about what kind of books they're interested in is in the name. Um, just to hammer the point home, on their meetup website um, they have the lines Do you ever fantasise about the end of the world? Well, you're not alone. Post-apocalyptic book group meet once a month in a room above a pub on York Way, just north of King's Cross. I must admit, I am a little disappointed they're not all dressed in black. I've been hoping for um, some sort of diesel punk Mad Max look, um, whereas actually the people in the room, there's sort of 19 of them, sat round the table, and they all look um, fairly normal, really. Mostly in their 30s, I'd say, and pretty evenly split between men and women. They look so normal, in fact, that some people mistake this for a completely different group. A woman comes in and sits next to me and says, after a couple of minutes, which group is this? I say, it's the post-apocalyptic book group, and says, oh God, I'm in the wrong room. She hurries away next door where they're holding an ADHD survivors group meeting. Sitting on my right is a woman called Lucy, who's been coming to these meetings for about five years. She works for a global warming charity. I ask her if there's a reason why this kind of fiction appears at least to be quite popular right now. You'll have to forgive the um, standard of my recording. It was an incredibly noisy room, I realised, when I got home. Uh, I think that it's definitely having a moment. I think it's, I, think, I mean, I think with a lot of, a lot of articles have been written about this, this is in no way an original comment, but I think a lot of people sort of find solace in fictionalised um, chaos when the world around them is not sort of source of chaos. Um, I think there's, I think there is an element of that. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, I mean, human beings have been predicting the end of the world forever, so it's not a new, it's not a new thing. But, um, 
just, I, I, think another, I think another thing that's too loud is if you're making up uh, a world, you have a lot of, whether it's a kind of a future recognisable world or a completely fictional, um, you know, no real connection to, to, you know, the real world as we know it, you're giving yourself a lot of space to explore themes and ideas that you wouldn't be able to do if you were setting it in a real world. So I think there is a degree to which it allows a lot of interesting conversations to go on. So from the very start, my assumption that people who read a post-apocalyptic fiction um, are somehow obsessed with the end of the world proves to be completely wrong. It's more that if you take away everything that uh, we hold dear, everything that's normal, you create a really interesting dramatic situation. One that, as Lucy says, allows other conversations to emerge. On my left side, there's a guy called Adrian who works in IT and he starts talking about a book they read several months ago called The Black Wave by Michelle T. It's a book he loved and it's set in San Francisco and San Francisco's falling apart in a truly apocalyptic way, but that's an allegory for her own failed relationship. At least that's how Adrian saw it. <laughs> that is really uh, fascinating and well written. And there's so many different things that you can use the end of the world to be an allegory for it. And so it's not all zombies uh, attacking, even though there are quite a few of those. Were you a zombies attacking type reader, or, or you came to the group by accident? If you know what I, mean? I, I was that sort of reader, but now I tend to read those books and I need something interesting to happen. So when there's a great example of that, such as Charlie Hicks. Sorry, terrible sound. He's talking about Charlie Higson's enemy books in which zombies attempt to take over the world. Uh, then I can really appreciate it, but when it's uh, more yeah. So basically what I'm hearing is that the post-apocalyptic kind of scenario allows writers to go to places that other writers can't. The funny thing about the group is that it was started almost as a kind of joke. It's run by a young woman called Laila Abu El Hawa. Uh, this started back, I think, in 2009. Um, there's a group of us reading The Road. She says back in 2009, a group of her friends were reading The Road by Cormac McCarthy. And they thought it might be a funny idea to set up a post-apocalyptic book group, not really realising what it entailed. I was definitely looking for something at the time that wasn't going to be a chicklet or your historical fiction or your crime fiction. Um, I just wanted something a bit different. This sounds really interesting. And I realise that's one of the strengths of the group, actually. It's not chicklet, it's not historical fiction, it's not crime fiction, although post-apocalyptic fiction can contain elements of any of them. Um, the three of us put it on Meetup, we put it on Gumtree, and our first meeting with 50 people at their first meeting was, she says, a massive surprise. And from there it snowballed. They're at almost 2,000 now. Congratulations, I mean, that's amazing. Because Meetup wasn't that... Other fantasy and horror groups have spun out of it and there's even been a post-apocalyptic book club wedding. Lila had come to this as a kind of accidental fan. She had read dystopian fiction. She remembers her mother giving her a copy of The Children of Man by P.D. James, a book in which the human race becomes infertile. And at school she remembers reading a post-nuclear holocaust novel uh, Children of Dust by Louise Lawrence. But the more the book group grew, the more it actually made sense. Uh, the way she sees it is post-apocalyptic fiction is not about gloom, it's about the hope, about how people emerge from whichever apocalypse they're facing. 
It's kind of a genius idea that the basic principle of the group is that any book they choose has to have an apocalypse in it, which gives them the most extraordinary range of books to choose from, anything from high-end literary fiction down to YA horror. Last month they were reading Daphne du Maurier's dystopian um, Rule Britannia, in which America basically takes over the UK and uh, everything goes a bit UKIP. I asked Lila if there are any books that she's discovered through the book group that she'd really like to champion. Gosh, there are quite a few. Um, so, War with Newt by Carol Chepek. Bonkers, written, I think, in the 1930s. He's the guy that invented the word robot. Just this absolutely bonkers book that's very much a commentary on European politics at the time, but where uh, a group of sentient newts suddenly take over the world. Yes, a group of sentient newts take over the world. That's The War with the Newts by Carol Chapek, which is actually a book a few people in the group mention. And Chapek is the man who invented the word robot in a book called R.U.R. The next book she chooses is Grasshopper Jungle by Andrew Smith. I think there's a theme coming through. And this is more of a coming out, coming of age book where there's a teenage boy having fun with his best friend, really worrying about you know whether or not he fancies this girl and all the kind of hormonal stuff that's going on with teenagers. And meanwhile, in the background, there's an apocalypse by praying mantis. And meanwhile, in the background, there's an apocalypse by praying mantis. She says it's comic, uh, poignant and an incredible book. Her third choice is a book by the Austrian woman writer Marlon Haushofer, The Wall, written in the 1960s. After a catastrophic war, a woman wakes up to find herself surrounded and isolated by an invisible wall, and it's the story of her learning to survive, um, cut off from all her friends and relations who may well be dead. It's a really, really vast trove, she says. And I'm not the only one to discover there's this cornucopia of catastrophe and calamity out there for us to read. And, uh, when I was younger, I used to just really enjoy sort of, the idea of um, you know, post-apocalyptic um, books. And I thought, you know, I, I knew a lot about the genre. And then a couple of years ago, one of my colleagues pointed out this book club to me and said, hey, this sounds like right up your alley. And I, I, I joined. Burhan is a software developer from Twickenham. Since he joined two years ago, he has been to every single meeting of the post-apocalyptic book club without fail. I was amazed. I thought I knew about the genre, but it turns out there's so much more that I didn't know. Coming to the book club, it opened my mind up to a, a wider range of apocalypses, but also just more within the genres that I, uh, that I already knew. And I also thought that, you know, it was quite a niche genre and while it still is there's there's just so much more in that niche that I, I wasn't aware of which kind of brings us to this month's book all the birds in the sky by charlie jane anders it's quite a strange book it opens with a young girl called patricia who discovers that she can talk to birds and that she's a witch and she meets a boy called lawrence who's made a bit of a useless time machine which allows you to jump two seconds into the future but what starts as quite a whimsical book leaps into ever stranger futures 
Patricia ends up going to a special school, um, special hidden school for witches, and Lawrence goes to a kind of military academy, and there's also a secret assassin's guild, and science leaps forwards, creating empathetic robots, but also an increasingly dystopian world in which ultimately there's a war between magic and science, and the world comes this close to ending, which allows the book to be included as a post-apocalyptic novel for the purposes of this book group. Um, looking around the room, it turns out that nearly everybody has read it, which is partly, it's been chosen particularly by Lila because it's an easy read. They've just done a couple of heavy tomes, so this gives everybody a bit of a break. But it's still pretty impressive for any book group I've been to that about 17 of the people around the table, 16 maybe, have actually completed the book. Around this huge rectangle of four tables pushed together, they discuss the book for about 45 minutes, then take a break, buy a drink, come back and discuss it for another 45 minutes or so. Well, the, the witches were also arseholes as well, oh, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. they kept banging on about aggrandizement to her. Like, anything that she does, oh, don't, don't aggrandize yourself. Like, just, just let me try and do something. I care about people. Just let me heal people. What's, what's wrong with aggrandizement is such a, a pain. Yes, yeah. it's just, it's, I don't know why. It's I didn't really get that. I feel like there wasn't a thought-out philosophy behind it. Her sister was awful. <laughs> <laughs> seems to me at first that this book is coming in for a lot of criticism um, and that people are feeling quite negative about it. Before we get anywhere near the apocalypse bit, people are picking apart the world that uh, Charlie Jane Anders has created. So I summon up the courage to interrupt them. Can I, can I ask a question as a, as a Martian who's come into this group? You seem to spend quite a long time look, working out whether the world of the, the, the book is plausible or not. <laughs> From the hilarity that ensues, I gather this is pretty much par for the course. Particularly guilty of lending itself to that. We always do that. I think it comes up quite a lot in a lot of post-conflicted stuff, because it's actually almost something that a lot of characters are dealing with. They're trying to function in a new world. So we end up kind of discussing it in that respect. Back in the 60s, in science fiction, a lot of authors say we don't have to do the old characters, we're not interested. They're very interesting ideas and the characters are taking place. People are going to break past that. So what I mistake for them being really critical of this book is actually just par for the course for this group. They all spend a long time picking through the world, the characters, and kind of working out whether the dilemmas the book presents make sense, really. When they come back for the third session, when they all get together to mark the book out of ten, I'm surprised at how many people who've said quite negative things about some of the aspects of the book turn around and say, well, actually, in spite of all the flaws, I really liked it. I loved it. I, it's exactly the sort of thing I like to read. I liked all the magical realism. I liked the crazy ideas coming in. The blend of magic and science I thought worked pretty well. I really liked the way she wrote, and I'm going to rate it a nine, despite all the flaws which everybody's pointed out, and I do agree with, but nine. I've given all of your opinions the um, consideration and treated them with how I uh, feel they should be treated. And I... <laughs> but thanks for coming. <laughs> despite all the flaws, despite the fact it should have been a trilogy, I will give it an eight. It's just so funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I give it a nine. I did enjoy reading the book and found it really funny in different ways. And yeah, it was 
chaotic and disorderly, and there was plenty of stuff in the class. I, I really enjoyed it. I do think that upon rereading it, it wasn't as good as the first time that I had read it, because the first time I read it, I just loved it. But I still think like it's just so funny, and I love some of the descriptions of it. I love the way the magic works in. The fact that the magic is just like one of those things that, and the magic just did this. That, like, it's so easy to, it's, it's, so, it's so easy to explain, but it's very hard to write that, I feel. So I'm actually going to give it a read. So there. <laughs> That's an eight, but obviously not everybody really loved it. A few people still remain pretty critical about it. <laughs> At the beginning of the evening, I would have given it a six, yeah. but talking it through, I think I'm going to have to downgrade it to a five. Well, it's the, the, the structure. Yeah, you've got to give give her a lot of things before you allow the story to get on with its stuff, because otherwise you'll just never get on board. But I did go through it really quickly. And it was fun. So, yeah, yeah, I think five's fair. After the scoring, the evening winds down. Lila has a couple of announcements to make. One of the things that's come out of this group is an event called Dark Societies, where she hosts an author and gives them the chance to talk about their book. On November the 22nd, she's talking to Owen King, Stephen King's son, about his book Sleeping Beauties, which was written in collaboration with his father. The book poses the suitably post-apocalyptic question, what if women disappeared from the world of men? Before he disappears, I asked Burhan, the man who turns up to every meeting, what he made of all the birds in the sky. You know, I, I, both, I both loved it and I hated it. it was, uh, there were certainly aspects of it that I, you know, went, went either way. And I wasn't sure which way I would vote at the end of the day. But, you know, there were, there were lots of really, really interesting ideas in the book. There were also quite a number of flaws and things that frustrated me. But I think at the end of the day, I, I enjoyed reading it. And, and that's a big part of uh, of, of why something is, is worthwhile. I know there are lots of books that people define as, you know, quote unquote classics. And, you know, I might I might read them, but I don't, I can recognise that, yes, they're, they're the progenitor for um, lots of other books, but don't really enjoy them. Whereas, you know, conversely, you can read something else that, that might feel a little bit trashy, but, you know, if you enjoy it, then, then then that's great. But part of you know why I, I love coming here is just hearing other people's perspectives uh, on, on all of this stuff. Something that you know I, I might I might find quite enjoyable and happy to, to go through. Other people might say, well, actually no, I thought it was it wasn't serious enough or, or something, or, or vice versa. Just the wide variety of opinions that you hear. I just love all that. And as for Lila, who actually chose this book, I should say she chooses all the books for the post-apocalyptic book club. She does take recommendations um, from the group via Twitter or whatever social media, but ultimately she kind of curates the group herself. What did she make of the book? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great book. How do you feel that discussion went, actually? Because it's really interesting sitting in. It seemed quite critical, but then when I said it was critical, everybody said, no, it's not. No, this is quite light compared to... <laughs> <laughs> normally a lot harsher. <laughs> I think they saw it as a good, easy read, rather than it being something that had much of a deeper meaning. But I think that just comes from... I find the book quite absurdist. There's a lot of it that comes from that kind of absurd school of writing, almost. Yeah. It's almost nonsense in a good way. But there's a lot of ideas, but it's hates one of the last things I ask Lila is why on earth she keeps doing this. After all, it's almost 300 events she's organised since 2009. I like the people, 
I've been very fortunate. I've not yet met a single person who I don't like, she says. Every single one is nice, considerate, has really good opinions and connects really articulately. I think even just on a single visit, you can see they're a really unique group. Lila's done something extraordinary. Um, one of the things I really like about them is the way it's sort of connected through almost serendipity. They kind of lucked out by choosing this subject, the post-apocalypse. It's such a random subject that connects so many different kind of books and so many different kind of people, but it works. Okay, so the books they uh, talked about tonight were The Black Wave by Michelle T, The Enemy by Charlie Higson, which is a series, The Road by Cormac McCarthy, the big daddy of all apocalyptic books, The Children of Man by P.D. James, Children of the Dust by Louise Lawrence, Rule Britannia by Daphne du Maurier, The War with Newts by Carol Chapek, Grasshopper Jungle by Andrew Smith, The Wall by Marlon Haushofer, Sleeping Beauties by Owen King, and of course, All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. If you know of a book group that has a story to tell, please get in touch at bookgroup at williamshaw.com. You can send any comments or brickbats there too. Uh, and find out more about the series at williamshaw.com forward slash the book group. Please subscribe via iTunes or any of the other lovely subscription services. And I'll see you all again, I hope, in a couple of weeks.